Startup.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from Startup.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany covering startups in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. And I'm more than happy to have Benedict here with me today from Startups on Switzerland. Grüezi. <laughs> Hi, Joe. It is a pleasure to have you here. We'll uh, soon talk about what you guys are doing because you are, not surprisingly for Switzerland, a fintech startup. But first, um, I would remind you that this interview is brought to you by StartupRaven.com, the fastest and easiest way to look for startups, investors, and corporate cooperation partners. Um, Benedict. I have been looking at your LinkedIn profile, and as everybody who is listening to this podcast can tell, it will be linked down here in the show notes. And I found that you are a lawyer by training, but somehow you ended up being an entrepreneur. How on earth did that happen? Yes, well, uh, thank you for that. Um, or I guess I have to also be very thankful for doing that transition because it turned out I think I'm better suited as an entrepreneur than just being a lawyer. Um, so I always, had a lot of, <laughs> I always um, had a lot of fun also in university um, delving into the law, researching law, um, especially when it came to, you know, um, the intersection of technology and law. So when, when blockchain came around, I got super interested in this field and realized this is something where I can actually, uh, you know, move something, uh, learn a lot, but also maybe create something new. And uh, while then really becoming a blockchain lawyer, so to say, around two th 2017, 18, I also realized um, I want to be involved not just in legal questions, but uh, more broadly, because I'm more of a generalist, I think, than a specialist. Um, and so that's why being an entrepreneur suits me more than uh, just being a lawyer. But you have been taking a look outside of Switzerland as well. I have seen you also participated in a program of London School of Economics and Beida, the Peking University, right? Yes, that was uh, back in 2013, actually, uh, with my other co-founder and co-CEO, Stefan Mayo, um, with FQX. And we were there actually together, both while we're still studying law at the University of Zurich. Um, and yeah, that was really, really great um, program. Uh, where we, you know, were able to immerse ourselves in this back at then really still, um, you know, quite a new up, up and coming um, economic force. If we take the perspective of the last maybe 50 years and uh, yeah, and just looking back now, you know, this has been nine years and how much has changed already just in this short time since we've been there. Mm, I see. Your first notable stint has been as a chief legal officer with a Swiss fintech pioneer. How is it pronounced? Lücke? It's uh, it's called Lücke. Yeah, it's based on a uh, Danish word, I think, for happiness. Oh. And um, yeah, so this was the background of this startup. It was an amazing um, experience, you know, uh, being able to to be part of this uh, venture so early in the beginning, uh, Luke really was quite visionary. Um, you know, they have played with and foreseen some trends that are now really relevant in blockchain, but five, year, five years before. So um, I joined in 2017, I became chief legal officer. 
and was able to see the team grow also, you know, from just a handful of people to almost uh, more than a hundred. Um, and that was extremely valuable um, as an experience, but also showed me again that I don't just want to be a lawyer. I uh, wanted to become an entrepreneur basically as, as a result of this experience. And then you moved on to co-found Lexon. From what I've read, I take it's, it's a kind of a smart contract startup. Yes, correct. So I think this is where also I was able to bring in kind of my legal uh, training and some of the academic work that I've done in the blockchain and law space. So really looking at how smart contracts and uh, the law um, intersect to see what are the boundaries of a legal contract or just a contract and how it can be implemented into a smart contract Because these systems, they sound similar just from the terms and a lot of people use the term. But if you think about it, a, a smart contract promises immutable execution, whereas the law is actually something that needs to be flexible and adaptable because circumstances can always change. So there are a, a number of pillar, pillars and principles in law that give you the right as someone who is part of a contract to step back from a contract. For example, if you know you've entered into it under some uh, wrong um, or some mis misperceptions. And now you have to find a way how to integrate this with the immutable nature um, of a smart contract. So Lexon really was about creating a smart contract programming language that can be read and written by lawyers. So lawyers would just write a legal code, so to say, um, in their own language or slightly adapted from English uh, with a particular grammar And this can then be directly executed and uh, compiled into, you know, the, the the leading smart contract programming language, such as uh, Solidity. Um, yeah, and this was really amazing. There were a lot of people involved, you know, from academia, but also some people from, uh, you know, leading management consultancy firms such as BCG, Digital Ventures, etc. And uh, um, yeah, it was was quite a nice experience. Uh, what did happen? Was it too hard of a task to actually get lawyers to code? So I, uh, Lexon still exists, um, and I would still probably consider it still more of a research project um, than a business. And the challenge really was looking back that in 2018, smart contracts were still a fairly novel concept. So trying to innovate on top of a innovation which hasn't reached maturity yet is always difficult right so it will still take years before people actually fully embrace the notion of smart contracts um so that's why i believe you know the the case for lexon still is there and i think it has a big potential but uh, i will take some years until it reaches uh, maturity and uh, we see how things progress in this space and already now you can tell that uh, you know Just four years in, in blockchain can be uh, decades in, in other areas. And so I guess now people that I interact with on a daily basis, people from the financial sector, are already much more comfortable with the idea of smart contracts. They actually understand what it means. They have interacted with them at some point, you know, whether they're using some decentralized finance application um, or have, have, you know, minted an NFT or something. So we are progressing at a, quite a fast pace, I believe. I see. And then you got to co-found 
FQX. How did this idea start and what you guys are actually doing there? So FQX started um, when I was still at Lexon and uh, we were um, working together with um, our um, one of our now co-founders, uh, Frank Wendt, who um, was coming from a more traditional finance background. So you know, he was doing trade finance, treasury consulting, et cetera, for, for a couple of decades and really had this hands-on market experience. And uh, his idea was really to digitize the promissory note. Um, can be, I guess, translated into German in a variety of ways. Um, so, you know, it's either the Schulzschein, um, but it can also be uh, translated as the Wechsel. And uh, the idea was to digitize this instrument, which, you know, have, has existed for more than a thousand years and is probably the most standardized financial instrument in the world and digitizing it using blockchain technology. And this is kind of where we came in. So um, then I uh, decided together with uh, Frank to, to start this um, as a business and uh, with our other co-founders, Stefan, and then later also uh, Philip, who joined um, a half year later. So the idea really was to digitize the promissory note um, to just really merge the benefits of digitization with the benefits of the blockchain, but at the same time, the benefits of having this unique instrument that is known around the world, it's already very much standardized, and now you have an extremely powerful blockchain-based financing tool. And this is what FQX really is all about. So basically, for everybody who's not from financial services, we're talking about an electronic IOU here. So you could translate it very, very simply into a sheet of paper. I write on it, I owe you 500 euros, name, date, place, and I hand it over to you. That's basically it. Absolutely. This is very well put, very simply put. And um, this is all what it's about. It's the simplicity, right? Because uh, we also believe that the financial system um, everybody engages with today is much more complex than it actually needs to be. And we believe with the powers of um, decentralization and digitization, as has already been done with, with other parts of the financial system using blockchain technology, we also believe this should happen for actually debt-based financing. Um, so we believe, you know, in the future, you will just have one basic financing instrument um, and it's a digital blockchain-based IOU. And with this digital blockchain-based IOU in the form of an e-note, as we call it, which is FQX's instrument, um, you can basically fulfill almost any financing purpose, whether it's just getting a bilateral loan between you and another company, um, but also where you say, I want to obtain liquidity from a variety of investors and I'm just going to issue a hundred of these IOUs or e-notes um, to investors. And these investors could be anywhere, right? These could be investors in jurisdiction A. These could be traditional investors. These could be very new digital asset investors. The asset could be on the blockchain directly, or it could also be more in the traditional financial infrastructure. So uh, where, let's say, you currently hold your, um, if you have any Apple shares in custody at your bank, this asset could also appear um, in, in this um, environment. 
Mm -hmm. So basically, this, you are digitizing the IOUs, you make them flexible. And I heard and read something about you guys doing it as a smart contract. Is that true? So the basic notion of, of digitizing the promissory note is that in the physical world, you had this uh, paper certificate, right? Mm -hmm. And this makes it not just a bilateral contract. It actually makes it a um, trigger warning here, security. That's uh, not the regulatory term security, but the private law term security. So this is a certificate which can be transferred to any other party with the same rights and obligations. Now, this is not the case just for any contract, right? A contract is a bilateral arrangement, whereas the certificate, um, ein Wertpapier, um, can be transferred. And this makes it extremely powerful. And now the challenge was always, how do you bring this paper-based physical certificate into the digital world, mm -hmm. where we know things could just be copied um, and you wouldn't be sure that there's just one unique object. And uh, along comes, of course, then blockchain technology. And so in the form of a token, now you can have this digital, um, legally binding, unconditional IOU as an e-note. Um, we can use and leverage smart contract functionality for um, the delivery versus payment so that only the token is transferred once the party um, says, um, uh, once the party transfers the financing amount. So in your case, um, I say, I want to pay you in a month 500 euro if you give me 450 euro right now. So I need liquidity. Uh, I'll pay you back in a month uh, with interest. So what you give me is um, the financing amount and I give you in turn this unconditional promise to pay in the form of an e-note. Um, so for this, we can leverage smart contract functionality. Um, we can also use collateral, for example, which is uh, very common in the unsecured or sorry, in the, um, in the secured lending space. So you could say, yes, I give you this, um, these uh, 450 euro right now, if you give me 500 a month, but in order for me to be sure to trust you, I want you to post some ether as collateral, for example. And uh, this is also something we can reflect. So basically, for everybody who's not into financing, uh, what you just described is uh, what you call a money market transfer, a short-term lending. And as you can realize, it's very simple on what you guys do. Um, I would be curious about a few things here. Now you have the promissory note, the e-note as a token. Basically, if they're standardized, could you trade them? And the second question would be, you talked about collateralization of those loans, meaning you post something valuable that could be sold if you don't pay up. Um, could it only be digital items like Bitcoin, Ethereum and stuff like this because they are, they are a little bit volatile? Or could it also be something like simple securities or even a house? So the first uh, question, yes, uh, e-notes can be traded. And I think this is also a benefit of them, right? If you have, let's say, a loan with your bank right now, which is just bilateral, it is based on you know many, many pages of contract. Uh, it's not really transparent for you what maybe the basis is or not. Basically, you just end up signing. Um, and what you have is a contract, but it's not a tradable asset. 
Um, with our instrument, you generate the ability to transfer it to third parties. Um, and this can be relevant for the investor who says, you know, I want to have the security to, to know if I need to, I can liquidate it. Mm -hmm. um, of course, you need a buyer for that, but just generating already the legal and technical tran um, transferability mm -hmm. is, is the first part in that. And now as FQX, we plug to we plug into existing markets. So we've entered into a partnership with SDX, which is the digital asset exchange of the Swiss stock exchange. Um, so it's also a, um, a blockchain-based um, financial market, so to say. And uh, soon our e-notes will be then also tradable and transferable on this market. Um, that's the first question. And the second question, you're going to have to help me out right now. Um, how can you collateralize the yes, note? Is it only it's, digital currencies? Is it securities? Or is it even possibly a piece of real estate? Yeah, so um, exactly this question. It's a very, very good question. Um, I think right now um, the, the emphasis lies on using digital asset as collateral because... In the end, it's with Bitcoin, ETH, and all these cryptocurrencies, you have created very liquid instruments, which can be used very almost perfectly as collateral. Yes, they have fluctuations in value, but if you think about it, um, collateralized lending, uh, as it's done in the decentralized finance space using digital assets, basically has just digitized the Lombard loan, right? Where before, if people wanted to get additional liquidity, but they didn't want to sell their assets, they could go to a bank and say, I have, you know, 100 Volkswagen shares and 100 Apple shares, and I post this as collateral, and now you, bank, give me some extra liquidity on top of that. And the bank says, that's fine. I give you that. You have to pay me interest, and we hold the assets, the securities as collateral. Um, and DeFi has really decentralized this, and I think this is an extreme um, step forward. Um, but yes, as we progress with um, Oracle functionality um, and we progress with the Internet of Things, more and more also physical assets could then be posted as collateral. Now, of course, we could already do that today to have a physical asset posted as collateral. But the problem is, in order then to really have this delivery versus payment, and if it's not paid at maturity, the collateral is being transferred to the investor, you have to have some form of digital representation of this physical asset. Now, you can do that with, let's say, you know, a tokenized real estate, tokenized um, bottle of very, uh, let's say, rare whiskey or something. Mm -hmm. um, but for this, other parts of the ecosystem still, you know, need to be built um, and they need to be trustworthy. And here again, if you have the physical asset, then there, again, there's this layer of, extra trust that's needed. Some third party needs to make sure that actually this is the asset that's referenced, that the token that is transferred also generates ownership of this physical asset. So that's why doing it just with smart contracts and collateralized securities um, or collateralized uh, digital assets is, I think, the first step. Sounds very digital, very flexible. And for everybody who's listening to this, not from the financial service area, you now can be a smart ass. Uh, you can say, oh, it's a Lombard credit. Mm -hmm. It means, dude, you give me money, I give you securities. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
to make it very simple. Um, it, it, my understanding is you do this uh, very digital. Um, FQX is working with SDX, not to be confused, my yes. guys. You get it. it. It's kind of a bit confusing there. Um, but uh, so it's... it doesn't even stop there. You know, the, the three letter uh, syllables, you have it just anywhere. If you're in this space, that's basically what you hear almost every day. It's just a lot of three letter abbreviations um, for uh, different things. Yeah. yeah, it's a TLA, yeah, the three letter acronym. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I understand it will soon be tradable, but you guys, uh, as I've heard, are already running on a bank, bank uh, license, bank certified infrastructure, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Correct. So this is the Swiss Trust Chain, um, which is a uh, permissioned blockchain. It's a private blockchain. It's maintained by Swisscom and the Swiss Post. And uh, for us, this was relevant to uh, in the beginning to start with because we wanted to prove, in a sense, to the world that our infrastructure, our instrument, the eNode, can be used from really a big public listed company to a small um, SME all over to someone in the crypto space. And so to generate the trust for these more traditional companies, having um, the Swiss trust chain was really uh, was really great. Um, but now as the blockchain world is also really progressing and more and more institutional companies, like you know large companies, but also institutional investors um, are embracing the idea of interacting with a public uh, blockchain, we are also expanding. And so FQX will soon also be available on a public ledger. I've also heard you talking about creating an ecosystem with more and more startups working into this system, working with the system, earning money there. Can you explain us a little bit what are you looking for here, especially addressing the startups out there that are interested in, huh, how could we work together here? Yes, so uh, that's a very uh, good good call. So I think there's two ways, right? We, of course, invite every startup um, in the fintech and blockchain space or also outside of that that can add value to what we're building to have a discussion with us. And FQX is building the decentralized infrastructure for the future of finance and it's the decentralized debt infrastructure that we're building so if anybody um you know is, is working to also provide one cog in the wheel for this future of finance um then we all want to work together and this is what i really love about this space we're in this blockchain space you know there's a very different mentality it seems than compared to traditional finance or tradfi um, as it's uh, called, and that is people know what they're currently building is, you know, could be quite impactful for a new, uh, more equal, more accessible and uh, more just, yeah, simple financial infrastructure. So there is not this notion just of competition that, uh, you know, you're working against each other, but you're working together to build a, a better system. And so that's why we love to work with other startups on this. And, you know, this could be anything from companies, again, as we said, building a better layer to collateralize physical world assets into the blockchain. Companies which have, for example, a very novel approach to having a AI-based credit rating, which can be very helpful for an instrument. So there is a number of things that we can't do 
and we don't want to focus on, but that need to be part of this, this new ecosystem. That's on the side of the collaboration. On the side of uh, users, I think what we are building is also a great way for startups to obtain debt financing. Because if you look at it, many startups, you know, especially those ones who are um, on, on a high growth trajectory, um, they have a lot of access to equity from investors. But as soon as they want to get debt um, capital and they go to a bank, the bank will, will treat them like any other SME. They don't really believe the high trajectory they post with the numbers. They don't believe in the potential per se of these high growth startups. So what we see is really that you have companies, maybe even some unicorns or multicorns, um, if they want to get a bank loan, they still have to pay, you know, um, as much as your maybe, I don't know, bakery on the corner and have to pay huge amounts of interest rates um, to the bank. And this is, I think, very cumbersome. And uh, this is not the way I believe the financial system should work. So we believe um, investors would be willing to more directly finance actually also these high growth private companies such as startups um, and our instrument could be actually a tool to to make this connection to create this more direct access um, because yeah you know as, as many investors take a bet investing in the equity of startups i think some of them would also be willing to more directly lend to high growth companies using our instrument this is almost a little bit spooky because it totally fits. Uh, we did not talk about this before, but my next question I prepared is, uh, when does it make sense for startup or company out there um, to consider your marketplace for fundraising? Well, there we have it. Um, and uh, so we, I think what's important to note here is FQX is more than just a marketplace. We see ourselves as an infrastructure. And we want uh, digital debt to be registered, issued, and transferred, and eventually also to be traded on our infrastructure. And so our infrastructure can be accessed either directly. So if someone onboards on FQX and they can you know, make a peer-to-peer -peer transaction with another company, another investor, um, but we can also onboard existing platforms. So if there is a fintech platform, for example, out there, which is already doing peer-to-peer -peer lending, and they're connecting uh, companies with investors, um, we can increase or expand their, uh, their product offering or their product universe by having them now be able to, to use the e-note, which is something, again, it's a, it's a security. It has an ISIN number, an ISIN number. So this makes it integrable into the traditional banking system. So this is why we're also integrated into a number of um, startups actually uh, that have financing platforms and on their financing platforms, you can use eNotes, our instrument. So that means they have to go to a different place in order to get funded via an eNote. We, we will link your website down here and I do assume there will be a few links to um, the respective platforms. Talk about funding here. Your current investors include Early Bird Ventures, six fintech ventures, and several business angels. You raised 6.7 million US dollars so far. Would you be open to talk to additional investors? Sure, absolutely. We are we're planning to do a, uh, a follow-up uh, fundraise uh, still this year in the next couple of months. And uh, we are looking for additional investment 
And our investors have to meet, let's say, a couple of criteria. So we want to work with institutional investors. Um, you want to work with venture capital funds that have, let's say, an experience in blockchain that are willing to work together with a startup that has a really, let's say, grand vision um, for what we want to achieve and how we want to change the financial infrastructure. So to the, let's say, brave um, investors out there who really believe in, uh, in a vision and believe that if you work uh, hard towards it, you can, you can achieve that. Um, yeah, very, very open and happy to discuss with you. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're already, of course, have set our eyes on, on the investors we want to have for mm -hmm. this round. And who knows, maybe there's um, others out there that would also be interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, we almost talked now for 30 minutes. So everybody who'd like to learn more, you can go down here in the show notes. There's a link to your company website as well as you, directly to your LinkedIn profile where people and investors can reach out to you. Only thing left for me to say is thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you as a guest. Thank you so much, Tom. It was a pleasure talking to you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.